This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, April 28, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Laws aimed at protecting you from being surreptitiously recorded are being used by police to avoid accountability when they abuse citizens. And were it not for some cameras, innocent people would have gone down for some serious crimes. David Ritgers, legal policy analyst at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. Following the home victory uh, by the University of Maryland over Duke uh, in an NCAA basketball game, there was a crowd of students that spilled out into the street and they were celebrating the victory. And one of these students, Anthony McKenna, uh, was literally skipping for joy uh, down the sidewalk and he approached a line of police officers, including two mounted officers uh, on horseback. And as he approached them, and you can see, uh, without having seen this video, the report that we would have is that he had uh, assaulted two mounted officers uh, and their horses and received injuries from the horses in the process, and he would have been charged for assault on those officers and their mounts. What we have seen is that since there's been a video that was released, uh, due to the efforts of a private investigator hired by McKenna and one of the other defendants from this incident, uh, a video surfaced that showed clearly that he had not assaulted the mounted officers and their horses, that instead, as he approached the officers, as he was literally skipping for joy, waving his hands in the air, celebrating the victory, he got close to the horses and realized that he was probably in a place that he didn't need to be, and he stopped, and the horses uh, moved toward him a little bit. He appeared to back up, and then Three Prince George's County police officers in riot gear ran over to him, slammed him against a retaining wall, and beat him until he fell to the ground, and then continued to beat him. And it is only because of the release of this video that we know that this was actually what happened. What was he charged with? He was charged with assault on on two police officers and their mounts. We have to assume, outside of PG County uh, in Maryland, which doesn't have a very good reputation, Uh, that this has to happen all the time. Well, I certainly think it does. And uh, I think the advent of portable recording technology is bringing more and more of these incidents to the the public view and to light uh, in a way that can rectify the situation. And that's what we've seen in this instance, that the release of this videotape uh, has resulted in the dropping of charges uh, this Monday as we're recording this, uh, and uh, as of this recording as well, the suspension of two of the three officers that were responsible for beating Mr. McKenna, and they have yet to identify the third, uh, made difficult by the fact that they were wearing riot gear. This is all moving in a positive direction, but that was all made possible by the presence of a camera. What is the argument that police make about the legitimacy of videotaping by the public or by third parties? uh, Or I should say, let me restate that. What is the case that police make against recordings by either third parties or people who are actually involved in an interaction with police, uh, these incidents? Well, the way that these laws are traditionally structured is on the consent of the parties to being recorded. And in another incident, uh, incident in Maryland, uh, a man who was showboating on a motorcycle but had a helmet cam uh, mounted on top of his, his motorcycle helmet was stopped uh, by a car that swerved in front of him as he slowed for traffic, uh, and a man dressed in jeans and a hoodie, looking like a carjacker, frankly, uh, and armed with a gun, uh, stops him 
and after five seconds of approaching him, identifies himself as a Maryland state trooper. Uh, after receiving a, frankly, a well-deserved ticket for his driving uh, and speeding, he posted the video of the experience onto YouTube. And uh, he was, he's now been charged with uh, felony uh, uh, un, uh, unconsented recording. And the way that this is set up is that about a dozen states in the union uh, have unanimous consent laws uh, for recording. And it's really set up more as uh, basically a surreptitious kind of wiretapping uh, statute that if you want to record a phone call or a conversation with someone, you need the unanimous consent of all parties present. Uh, and uh, it's not necessarily directed at protecting the police. Let me compare the experience in Maryland with its unanimous consent regime with the experience in Great Britain. And we've seen in Great Britain uh, that uh, a, a measure intended uh, ostensibly to protect law enforcement officers and monuments from terrorist attacks has turned into basically a ban on photographing or taking video uh, in public, uh, where taking a photo or video of a police officer has been construed by the law as reconnaissance for a terrorist attack. Therefore, the police will come over and, and either take your camera or make you erase the, uh, the, uh, the photo or video that you have recorded. Uh, and, and tourists have complained that they've gone and taken a picture in front of Big Ben with their family smiling, and then the police will show up and say, I'm sorry, I, I have to confiscate your camera or, or destroy the footage that you've just taken. Uh, and so we can see that with the cry of exigency in the name of, of preventing terrorism, we can a state can broadly restrict uh, civil liberties and, and not just civil liberties, but, but the transparency that an open society requires. To the extent that a police interaction goes south and trouble is to the extent that an interaction that a member of the public has with police goes south and uh, results in either an arrest or some hostilities by preventing these types of recording, either by third parties or the, the person involved with the altercation with police, in some ways you're destroying evidence. Yes, yes. And you're, you're, you're taking away the, the transparency that, uh, that is required for uh, maintaining checks on the use of police power. And so by util utilizing unanimous consent laws, uh, states have in the past made it difficult for uh, just results to happen when law enforcement officers have stepped out of line, uh, even police informants trying to coerce testimony out of, uh, uh, out of people uh, at trial in side meetings. Uh, it's very hard to work around those. Uh, uh, and, and what has happened in the past is that uh, people who want to get uh, conspiracies recorded somehow with, and getting around the unanimous consent laws uh, is they will get reputable people to surreptitiously listen in and then be willing to testify in court. Now, that's fine if you know ahead of time uh, of the conspiracy of someone trying to extort something from someone because you can't record their attempt to extort you. But when you're in a situation that, that happens so fast, you can't prearrange uh, that, uh, you know, that good witness to be handy, then certainly video, photo, these, you know, these mediums are, 
essential in in preserving uh, you know a more transparent society. Why were these laws implemented? Well, these laws were not put in place to protect police, uh, and they don't apply solely to police. It's you know it was viewed as more of a uh, a privacy protection uh, originally, and it, and it's uh, it's not something that we should uh, use that that prosecutors should use as a tool uh, against. Uh, more transparency uh, in law enforcement operations. David Ritgers is a legal policy analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.